Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Usually, but today we are talking about Angel Season 3, Episode 1, Heartthrob, and also previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm just going to like do like a quick little, for some reason, I think Angel and Buffy were on different, I don't know, at this point they might have been on the same network. I don't know, but for some weird reason, the Angel episode, first episode of season three of Angel aired a week, over a week before the first episode of Buffy season six. So that's a good time for us to, you know, catch up a little bit and until before we start talking about season six. So, um, first of all, I just feel like I do this every single year, but I want to apologize for, you know, my whole like summer of movies. I had, I talked about two movies over the entire summer. If I didn't have all of these other fucking things that I did all the time, like I have a Patreon and a YouTube and a radio show and tarot reading Etsy business and blah, 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 blah. Plus I have, you know, other jobs that I do that are not creative based jobs. <laughs> I still have, you know, regular, like, you know, jobs. Um, yeah, so my whole summer of movies talking about movies 20 years later was only bandits and Donnie Darko weird combo. Wouldn't have thought at the beginning of the summer that the only two movies I would talk about that came out in 2001 were those two movies, but that's just how it happened. Um, I'm kind of sad that I didn't do Moulin Rouge and ghost world at least. Um, I don't know, whatever. That's just the way it is. Okay. So let's talk about the angel episode because that I just finished watching. So angel season three, episode one was called heartthrob. I kind of hated it to be honest with you. <laughs> um, it's possible. Okay. So like my experience with angel is I've seen every episode. I think this might be the third time ever going through the Angel series. I went through it once. I like bought the DVDs. I think I saw season five as it was airing because that came out the year after the Buffy series ended. And I think I just watched it at that point, but that was like the first Angel episodes I had ever watched. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. And then I bought the DVDs a few years after and I watched them the first time through. And then I think at some point I watched them a second time 
and now this is the third. So I don't really remember this episode. All I remembered about it was that Fred had just gotten back from Pylea and she was kind of holding up in her room and writing things on the walls. And the only person she's really connecting with right now is Angel. And he had, I didn't remember this, but he had been like out of town because he was dealing with his grief over Buffy. You know, she just died. <laughs> Which is kind of why I'm doing a previously on Buffy, because both my mom and my Michael are both like, why? What is he grieving about? <laughs> Michael was like, what is he grieving about? Um, Buffy just died. And mom's like, I'm going to need a serious previously on. So that's mostly what we're here to do today. So the, God, I don't even want to talk about the fucking Angel episode. It was so terrible. I remember season three being the, a really good season of Angel. I don't know if there are good seasons of Angel. Let's be real. Maybe season five. But anyway, whatever. So the whole premise of the plot here is that we're catching up with Angel and how he feels about Buffy's death. That's one thing. We are showing Angel's relationship to love because he is juxtaposed against a character from his past in this episode who has a genuine love for someone that Angel accidentally kills at the beginning of this episode. And I don't even want to like get into more details of that plot point because it was stupid. What should have happened in this episode, because this episode is about what should have happened. The episode begins with, you know, Fred is in her room. Everybody's kind of concerned about her. They're sort of like, you know, updating you on what's gone on over the summer. That's how these shows go. The Joss Whedon shows like a summer actually happened in between the two seasons, just like a summer happened in real life. Um, so you're kind of the first couple of scenes of the episode are like Wesley Gunn and Cordelia kind of like doing some exposition, talking about the fact that Angel's been gone all summer. He's hanging out with some monks or something. And Fred's just been in her room in the hotel all summer long and just not really talking to anyone. And like, you know, she's having a mental health crisis because, you know, she was on Pylea for like five years or something. And so, you know, it would take a while. She needs therapy. It would take a while for her to integrate back into normal society again, which is understandable. So the episode should have focused on her, should have focused on integrating her into the group and kind of like helping put her mental health back together. And they could talk about Angel and his grief over Buffy without making up some stupid character from his past, but they had to tie in Darla. So there were flashbacks of Darla and, um, and some character that has never been mentioned before, some couple, some heteronormative couple that Darla and Angel used to hang out with back in the 1700s that we've never fucking heard of before this moment. And we'll never talk about again after this moment, but whatever. It was just badly written. The whole thing was very badly written, but anyway, so we had to have Darla brought back into the picture so that we could see the main point of the episode was Fred's isolating herself. What has everyone been doing over the summer? 
and there was a little speech from Angel at the very end of the episode because the whole thing is, you know, like he went off all summer long because he's grieving over Buffy, the one love of his life, blah, blah, blah. And at the very end of the episode, Cordelia and Angel are talking and Angel kind of says, okay, well, the thing is, I feel bad that I don't feel worse about Buffy. She's dead forever and I'm okay, was the gist of that conversation. And that kind of pissed me off because the angel that we know from Buffy would have been beside himself at Buffy's death. This is the angel that's on the angel show is not the same angel. He has different emotions, different motivations based on what this show wants for him. And it's a different mission statement. It's a different show. And that bothers me because it's not very consistent for his character. And I get that they could get away with that in 2001 because back in 2001, there really were, I'm sure there were people that were watching Angel and Buffy, but for the most part, the people that watched Buffy were a different, was a different audience than the people that watched Angel, I think. So they could do whatever the fuck they wanted with Angel's character. Buffy is kind of like, you know, the bitchy other woman ex in Angel World. And that bothers me. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't like that plot point. Plot point. I didn't like the plot point with Fred not being taken more seriously. Um, the, we got another little establishing, like they've been building this for a long time. Cordelia has a vision in this episode and she has a moment where she says to Dennis, her ghost, who all but helps her take her clothes off to take a bath. Like, at first it was like, oh, that's cute. He's drawing her a bath because he, like, you know, feels for her right now. He's her ghost that lives in her apartment with her. But at that point, we should have seen the door to the bathroom open and then it closed again so that you could get the idea that Dennis was leaving the fucking room. But no, he actually helped scratch her back with the, like, loofah in the tub. <laughs> Dennis, no. I love Dennis the ghost, except, okay, so there were some moments in this episode that really pissed me off, sexism-wise. I don't even feel like going into all of them, but it was bad. It was just stupid little sexist moments that, like, you don't get on Buffy, you don't get those on Buffy. You get them on Angel because on Angel, it's just Cordelia and now Fred. Like, we're finally going to start getting some episodes of Angel passing the Bechdel test, but not yet because Fred and Cordelia did not interact at all in this episode. And I don't think we've seen them interact maybe at all, maybe a couple lines on Pylea, but so far we have not seen them interact. Anyway. Is there anything else I need to say about this stupid episode of Angel? Does not pass the Bechtel test. That sh horned in, shooed in, what's the fucking phrase? Plot line of this other dude that Angel doesn't even get to kill because, like, he has, like, some kind of expiration date on some sort of invincibility spell, so he just sort of dies at some point <laughs> just for no reason. 
I kept, like, several times during this episode, I would press the, like, display button on my DVD player to be like, how much longer is there of this? So the very last scene, okay, that's the whole, that's the last thing I need to say. The very last scene of this episode of Angel is Darla in a bar somewhere. I forget where they said she was. Cuba, maybe? Mexico? Um, but she was at a bar somewhere and someone was trying to hit on her or something, or they were implying that she needed to give him sexual favors for something that he did for her but she goes into vamp face she bites him and then she stands up and she is heavily pregnant so we're about to get the whole connor storyline on angel which you can't see it but i am heavily rolling my eyes right now why am i reviewing angel i don't know um, at least I've only talked about it for 12 minutes. Let's stop talking about it now, shall we? So here's what I'm going to do for the previously on Buffy. I have my Bite Me, the unofficial guide to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, chosen edition, seven seasons, one book by Nikki Stafford in front of me. And I'm going to read to you the little summaries of each episode from season five of Buffy. And then I will do little commentaries and shit as we go along to kind of remind us of what's going on on Buffy, because I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but next Saturday, October 2nd, we finally get to talk about episodes one and two of season six of Buffy. First of all, I just want to do a little bit of a, maybe a trigger warning slash let's prepare ourselves moment. Season six is going to be rough. It is an emotional season. It is a traumatic season. It is an angsty season. In the past, I have called this my favorite season of Buffy. We'll see how I feel about it. Now, this is the first time I've rewatched Buffy. During this project of doing the whole 20 years later thing, is the first time I've watched, is the only context with which I have watched Buffy in the last, like we're on year six now. I haven't watched Buffy in any other context at all, only for this project, only on the particular dates. That's just kind of how it's gone for some reason. Um, yeah, I haven't watched season six of Buffy in a while. Just a little bit of historical context in my own life. When I first watched the season of Buffy was as it was airing in 2001. Um, my mom had it set up on her TiVo to record because we had that channel and it was the first time we had the channel that Buffy was on since season three. So I actually hadn't, whenever I started watching season six of Buffy, I hadn't seen any of season four or season five. I had to get by context clues and previously ons and shit like that. I had to get that, oh, Willow's gay now. Buffy had just died. Um, Buffy has a sister now. Like all of that shit. I had to get through context clues, 
reruns that might have been showing at the time, previously ons. Like, I didn't know... I knew the basics. I remember when I started watching season six of Buffy, I knew for some reason, I wasn't on like forums or anything like that at the time because I've always been sort of technologically slow. (laughs) So I wasn't on like the bronze forum or any iconic Buffy forums at the time or anything like that online. I used the internet, but I didn't know about forums and shit. I wasn't I wasn't super proficient in that stuff. Um, So I knew, all I knew was that Willow's gay now and Buffy died at the end of season five. That's all I knew going into season six. And I had seen seasons one through three. And then like, I didn't have the channel that Buffy was on seasons four and five. And as I was watching season six of Buffy for the very first time ever, I was at the tail end of my first serious relationship of my life. At that point, I was, let's see, October, when the first episode of season six aired was the day before my 19th birthday. So it was 18. And I was at the tail end of that relationship. It was an abusive relationship. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think I still had, at that point, I still had like a year left of that relationship. When did we break up? We didn't break up until spring of 2003. So I still had like a year or so left. But at that point, I was already like four and a half years into that five and a half year relationship. And I was just to the point where I was like on the precipice of understanding that I was in an abusive relationship and that I needed to get out. It's possible that I had understood it to some extent before that point, but I was getting to the point where I was able to admit it to myself. And part of the reason why I was able to admit it to myself is because of this season of Buffy, because I, I started associating Spike with my boyfriend at the time. I started relating to Spike. I started I had a blog, I had a live journal blog at the time, and I had like nicknames for all the people in my life and shit so that I could talk about like really personal shit. And I referred to my boyfriend as Spike. And I started to realize through the course of season six of Buffy that the abusive relationship that I was in related to the abusive relationship that Buffy was in with Spike. And the only reason why I'm telling you this is that like a lot of that emotional bullshit is going to surface for me while I'm watching season six and while I'm talking about it with you guys. So I want you guys to know what you're up against. I might cry several times during the course of the next year talking about season six of Buffy. Because to further complicate this scenario, so, you know, by the end of season six of Buffy, I was realizing 
I was making the connection, realizing I needed to leave this guy, seeing it for really what it was, and I got out. And now, 20 years later, I just found out over this summer, so it hadn't happened, or it had actually happened already by the end of us talking about season five, but I didn't know about it. So, God, this is so weird to fucking talk about. But just because I want you guys to be, I want you guys to know that if any of this kind of shit is going to be triggering for you, maybe, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, just skip ahead to season seven of Buffy, maybe, if this is going to be triggering for you. If you are listening in real time and you think that this isn't something that you can handle right now, emotionally, psychologically, I totally understand you needing to take care of yourself and not listen to me talk about this particular season of Buffy. But I just want you to know the kinds of shit that I'm likely going to be talking about. So I just found out over the the summer that this first boyfriend, first serious relationship of mine, he, he killed himself. He killed himself in May of this year. And he wasn't found until August. So I've been having a lot of complicated emotions surrounding that. I hadn't spoken to him since like 2004 or 2005, probably 2004 was the last time, maybe five. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in a very, very long time. So we weren't we didn't maintain any kind of relationship after we broke up for the most part. We tried to kind of be friends for a couple years after we broke up, but we just fought every time we talked. And so then we never spoke again. And so it's, it's just been, it's a lot of complicated emotions. (laughs) Um, because we were, you know, he was my first boyfriend. I lost my virginity to him. We were together five and a half years. He was a big, you know, he was part of my, he was a big part of my life for the critical years of my prefrontal cortex forming. You know what I'm saying? That's the like emotional regulation part of your brain that doesn't fully form until like your early to mid twenties. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a very emotional season of Buffy. I mean, it normally would have been but I think it's going to be extra because of all of that shit. And I just want you guys to know exactly what you're going into. If you decide you want to listen to me talk about season six of Buffy, because I tend to be, I'm autistic. I tend, I tend to be the kind of person that I have a hard time with filters. I have a hard time with knowing, I have a hard time with like, processing emotions in general. And while I'm processing emotions, I don't usually know what is right to share and not share. So sometimes I overshare, sometimes I undershare. It's, I just want you guys to know what you're getting into. So now that that's out of the way, let's do the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. I'm just going to read like the little one or two sentence descriptions that Nikki Stafford puts in her episode guide at the very beginning before she like goes more in depth into each episode. And then we'll comment based on 
what I feel like saying, you know? Okay. Season five, episode one, Buffy versus Dracula. Do you remember how lighthearted that season started? (laughs) Buffy faces off against the most famous vampire of all time, Dracula, and discovers something about herself in the process. This is when like the spark is created in Buffy where she wants to know more about the lineage of being a slayer. She wants to know more about herself as a slayer. And she kind of, I don't know if it's like the end of that episode or not, but she kind of goes to Giles at some point in like the first couple episodes, probably that one of the season where she kind of like lets him know, like, I need you as my watcher again. I want to train with you. I want to know more about the slayer lineage. So the mission statement of season five of Buffy is I want to know more about myself as the slayer. She wants to do research. She wants to be a studious slayer for once. Episode two, season five, Real Me. Buffy's little sister, who is really starting to become annoying, gets captured by Harmony and her minions, and Buffy must try to rescue her. So at the very end of the first episode of the season, we get our first glimpse of Dawn. And we're like, who the fuck is this chick? And the second episode of the season is kind of from her point of view, like writing in her diary and everything. And yeah, it's a whole thing. Episode three, The Replacement. When Xander is hit with a blast from a Toth demon, he is split in two. One Xander embodies all of his strong points and the other one his weaknesses. This is when they employ Nicholas Brendan's real life twin brother to play opposite him in this episode. So you get two, this is the one with two Xanders. Episode four, Out of My Mind. Riley's heart rate becomes dangerously fast, but he refuses medical help for fear Buffy won't love him if he's a normal guy. Meanwhile, Spike tries to get the chip out of his head. This might have been the episode that Riley confesses to Xander that he knows Buffy doesn't love him. I'm not sure, but like, that's the takeaway that I'm remembering from this episode. Um, he's very insecure about not being a super bo- super boy anymore. Buffy gets him fixed by an initiative doctor. Spike tries to get the chip taken out of his head, but it doesn't work. Episode five, no place like home. When Buffy encounters the beast and assumes it's after her mother, she puts herself into a trance and discovers a horrible secret. So this is, that's, I don't know when it was, maybe the last episode, maybe the one before, where we're starting to get the idea that something is is wrong with Joyce. And Buffy takes herself into a trance. She sees Dawn sort of disappearing from photos and she attacks her for a second, I think, in that episode. I don't remember everything specifically. Episode six, family. When Tara's family shows up in Sunnydale, she uses extreme measures to prevent Willow and the gang from discovering her secret. I wouldn't say that was extreme measures, but she, this is the one and only time we see Tara doing a spell on people for her own gain because she wants to prevent everyone from seeing her demon self that her 
super religious, controlling, oppressive family told her existed, even though it doesn't exist. So this is that super heartwarming episode where everybody finally accepts Tara for who she is and she has kind of an identity awakening moment and it's really heartwarming and sweet. It's we finally get Tara accepted into the group. This is the moment. Fool for Love, Episode 7, when Buffy is seriously hurt on patrol, she wants to learn more about how her predecessors, predecessors were killed and turns to the only person who knows, Spike. So this is the one where she takes Spike to the bronze and like buys him a flowering onion or some shit so that she can ask him about how he killed the two slayers that he killed. So this is a major like plot development moment for Spike. This is also the episode where Buffy throws money at Spike's feet and tells him, what does she say to him? Something super demeaning and rude. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it's, it's a Spike character driven episode. Episode eight, Shadow. When the doctors discover a shadow on Joyce's CAT scan, Buffy must face the reality that her mother's condition is more serious than she thought. Meanwhile, Glory conjures up a beast to help her find the key. So this is the first mention of Glory in any of these, um, any of these little recap sentences. But um, this was the one where Glory made the snake beast, I think. Is that right? I don't know. I think so. Is this also the one? No, it was Fool for Love. I'm pretty sure it was Fool for Love. The very end of Fool for Love is the one where um, Spike has the rifle and he's walking up to Buffy's backyard to kill her, which is kind of funny. I wonder if they knew at that point that Buffy would be shot in her backyard at the end of the season. No. That's at the end of season six. Surely they didn't know at that point that she would be shot in her backyard. But Spike comes up with a rifle into her backyard. She's crying in the backyard because of her mom. And he just sort of like immediately switches from like murder mode to, oh my God, what's wrong with you? What's wrong, Buffy? You know, that super sweet moment. I'm pretty sure that happens in Fool for Love. Don't quote me on any of this. I'm going by my memory and my memory is terrible. Um, episode nine, listening to fear. A demon from outer space lands in Sunnydale, preying on mental patients. So that's the one where Joyce had, has just gotten home from the hospital. She's waiting to get her tumor in her brain operated on and I think Buffy convinces the doctors to let her take her home so that she can wait because she has to wait like two or three days before her operation and she was just kind of going crazy in the hospital so Buffy was like let me take her home so she can be comfortable in her own bed and that's the episode where like all that shit is happening with that fucking scary like caterpillar demon that was crawling around on the ceiling and shit <laughs> that's that episode Episode 10, Into the Woods, Buffy discovers Riley's dark secret and he confronts her with an ultimatum. 
So that's one where Riley meets Buffy. Um, so that means that like the episode or two before that, you saw Riley kind of cheating on Buffy. Do you call it cheating on Buffy? He was having vampires drain his blood in some sort of weird hovel flop house. Is flop house the right word? I don't know how to use that phrase. Some weird like junky type environment. <laughs> so that's that episode. Episode 11, Triangle. The fighting between Anya and Willow escalates to a breaking point, placing Xander in the middle and all of Sunnydale in danger. So that's the one where Willow and Anya are fighting in the magic shop. Giles is out of town because he's gone to England to talk to the Watchers Council to get information about Glory because they are lording information about Glory over his head. So he goes to talk to them about that. And Anya and Willow are fighting a lot. And they accidentally summon one of Anya's exes that she turned into a troll, which was the act that got her the gig as the vengeance, vengeance demon back in the day. And he destroys a bunch of shit. He, at some point tells Xander that he has to choose between Anya and Willow and he can't do it because he loves them both. And it's kind of like an episode about Anya and Willow finally like kind of breaking down a few of the walls so that they can be less antagonistic towards each other. And mostly it's antagonism from Willow towards Anya. Stupid fucking bullshit. Um, that's what that episode is. Episode 12, Checkpoint. The Watcher's Council shows up with information about Glory, but must put Buffy and her friends must through a series of tests before she's deemed worthy enough to know more. So this is the one where Buffy finally stands up to the Watcher's Council. And she tells them, look, I'm the fucking Slayer. You guys are the Watchers. Without me, you don't exist. Therefore... For some reason, she doesn't demand that they pay her, but she demands that they reinstate Giles as her watcher and pay him again retroactively from the month he was fired, which was like, at this point, like a year and a half ago or something like that. So she stands up to the Watcher's Council. There's that great moment in that episode. Episode 13, Blood Ties. Dawn discovers the truth about what she is and and unable to accept that her memories are not real, she runs away from home. She runs away from home? No, she just kind of like has a moment and she goes to the magic shop and takes Spike with her to read Giles's diary because everybody's being really weird and like keeping things from her and not telling her what's going on, which they should have done. But yeah, this is the episode where a 14-year-old girl finds out she's a mystical fucking key and she overreacts because she's a 14-year-old girl, which of course she would. Episode 14, Crush. Sorry, I'm in candlelight, so it's hard for me to read this. Buffy finds out that Spike is in love with her and she makes it very clear that he has no chance. But when a love from Spike's past returns to Sunnydale, Spike decides to make some choices. So 
This is the one where Drusilla comes back and Spike like chains her up to like prove to Buffy. Is that the one? I think it is. I think it's that one where like Spike chains Drusilla up to to try to prove to Buffy that he would kill Drusilla for her. That's how big of a deal he's trying to prove to Buffy that he really loves her or something. I think that's this episode. <laughs> oh God, I'm not the right person for a podcast probably because I don't remember shit. Episode 15, I was made to love you. When Buffy realizes the new girl in town looking for her boyfriend is actually a robot programmed to love only one person, she knows the girl is dangerous. <laughs> that is a terrible summation of that episode. That's the one where you get the robot. We're introduced to Warren and Buffy's wearing the shirt that triggers you to immediately start crying that's that one. Episode 16, episode, or season five, The Body. When Joyce suddenly dies, Buffy and her friends deal with their grief in various ways. So that's the one where Buffy finds her mom dead from an aneurysm on the couch. And it is a very effective, emotional, upsetting episode of television. That's that one. Episode 17, Forever. Unable to deal with the loss of her mother, Dawn searches for a spell that will bring Joyce back to life. Meanwhile, Ben lets slip that jinx to jinx that the key is an innocent narrowing glories search. Okay. So yeah, that's the one where Buffy or Dawn tries to summon Joyce tries to reanimate her. Spike takes her to that guy's house that is kind of creepy and has a tail. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have more to say about this shit, but again, cobwebs in my brain. Episode 18, Intervention. Buffy's Spike's Buffy bot is discovered by the gang who mistake it for the real Buffy. Meanwhile, the real Buffy is out in the desert with Giles on a Slayer quest. This is the one where Buffy goes to do like a vision quest in the desert to find out more about her Slayerness because she's worried that she is a killer. She's worried that she's losing her humanity, that she's losing her love. And that is when the first Slayer visits her in this vision quest and tells her that death is her gift. This just, for some reason, this feels like, I don't, I don't, it's like, it's like I don't even remember doing this season. <laughs> this is the downside of doing this project in the, the nature that I'm doing it. Episode 19, Tough Love. After discovering that Dawn has been cutting classes, Buffy is instructed that if she can't stop her sister from acting up, Dawn will be taken away from her. Meanwhile, Glory thinks she knows who the key is and her mistake has terrible consequences. Um, I think that's, yeah, that would be the one where, um, 
so the one before this one was the one where Glory tortured Spike and he did not tell her who the key was. And Buffy like kisses him on the cheek or something at the end of the episode. Or on the lips? Does she kiss him on the lips? I can't remember. Maybe? I think she does. I think she does. I think she kisses him on the lips just to sort of thank him for not giving away who the key was because Glory almost killed him and he still didn't tell the secret. Um, and then this episode is the one where Glory sucks Tara's mind out. Very upsetting. Episode 20, Spiral. Glory discovers that Dawn is the key and Buffy must do the one thing she thought she'd never have to in order to save her sister. Run away. This is the one where they all get in like an RV and start trying to run. And the Knights of Byzantium are following them and lots of fights ensue. Spike is driving the RV at one point wearing like goggles and it's hilarious. And yeah, that's that one. Episode 21, The Weight of the World. Buffy has slipped into a catatonic state upon losing Dawn. So at the end of the last episode is when Glory like kidnaps Dawn. And Willow enters her thoughts to try to snap her out of it. Meanwhile, the barrier between Glory and Ben begins to break down and Glory loses control right before the ritual. So yeah, that's just, you know, part one of two of the end of the series, of the season, basically. You know, the barriers between Ben and Glory are breaking down, um, because Ben and Glory are the same person, if you guys don't remember. <laughs> um, yeah. Episode 22, The Gift. Buffy and the gang come together to try to stop Glory, and when the ritual begins early, Buffy must make a difficult decision, which is to kill herself. Um, that's the one where death is her gift. She sacrifices herself to save her sister. And that is the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Obviously, there's a lot more that we could say, but, um, that's why I have this podcast and you can go back and listen to all those other things that I have to say. <laughs> Um, I'm really, you know, despite the fact that like, I just warned you guys about how emotional this season's going to be for me. I'm really excited to talk about it. I'm really excited every other time in my life that I've watched season six of Buffy. Like I said before, I've always, you know, like it's been changing examining Buffy in this sort of really intense way of doing a podcast about it. But I have always in the past, no matter how many times I rewatch Buffy, season six has always been my favorite. And it's because this is the season of Buffy that really deals with grief and depression and self-destructiveness. And it's a dark, dark season, but I think you know, it was the season of Buffy that made me realize that I was in an abusive relationship, you know? And like, I, I can't completely credit Buffy for that realization in my life, but it was part of it for sure. 
it was. And we all love Spike, but he's not a good boyfriend. Um, so this is going to be, it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be really rewarding, I think. And if you want a really responsibly done sort of a really responsibly done podcast on season six of Buffy, then I recommend buffering the vampire slayer. For me, it's just going to be one person sitting in her closet, talking about her own psychological issues and how she's processing them while watching this season of Buffy. I am not, I do have a degree in psychology, but I'm, I'm not the person to like, approach it all in the most responsible way. I'm just a fucked up person talking about my experience. If you're in for that, let's go. The journey's starting next Saturday. <laughs> um, if you're not, I totally understand. Um, I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to remind you guys as often as I remember to do so that when talking about really upsetting psychological stuff, even if it's someone else talking about it and you're just listening to it, one thing to pay attention to, if you do decide to go forward with listening to me talk about season six of Buffy in the coming year, um, pay attention to your breathing, pay attention to how you're reacting to what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be able to relate to the type of abusive scenarios we're going to be talking about when we talk about season six of Buffy. Unfortunately, a lot of people will be able to relate to it. And if you start feeling cornered, if you start, if your breath starts to get really short and you start to feel panicky, it is always okay to stop listening or take a break. If it's something that you do want to ultimately face or listen to, but if you don't, that is okay. It is most important to take care of yourself. And that is something I'm going to try to remember to say often on this podcast, but I'm saying it now as well. And I, I just, I don't want what I say to be super triggering for you. And I'm going to try to put trigger warnings in probably often during this season, because it's a lot of really upsetting shit that we're going to be talking about week after week after week. This is a punishing season psychologically to talk about. But since this whole episode has been kind of like a giant disclaimer, so just please know that if I don't bring that shit up often enough, that that is part of it. I'm saying it here and if you want something that's more responsibly done discussion of season six of Buffy, I'm telling you buffering the vampire slayer is they do a lot of like some of the really traumatizing episodes of season six. They will have, they will have extra discussions. Like they had one seeing red, which is the most upsetting episode of Buffy ever. They had like four different 
like additional episodes, three or four different additional episodes surrounding that particular episode of Buffy to talk about the different aspects of what was most upsetting and triggering and traumatizing about that episode. And they talked to different experts about those particular topics surrounding that episode. And, you know, thankfully those discussions exist because I am just a girl in a closet, but I'm still going to talk about it because it's my favorite episode of my favorite show, my favorite, I mean, my favorite season of my favorite show of all time. So I'm still going to talk about it, but I want you guys to know what you're in for. And I know I'm repeating myself at this point, but I care about you guys and I want you to be okay. So I want you to know what you're in for. That said, I am very excited to talk about season six of Buffy. Despite the fact that it sounds like I'm dreading it, I'm really not. I'm cautiously hopeful and excited to get into these things because like digging my hands into psychological shit is one of my favorite things. And that's why this is my favorite season of my favorite show of all time. So we're going to talk about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really upsetting. And I'll see you next Saturday. Thanks for listening. Bye.